Christianity, when we are gathering together, at the heart of Christianity is news. You know, you hear the news every day. We're talking about spectacular news. So what is the news? What is so spectacular? What is news? Well, the news that we have is the only really true news that comes down to that we really need to really pay attention to. And our study in 2 Corinthians, we have been uh, in chapter 4. We've, of course, we finished in chapter 3 dealing with the glory of the Lord, being transformed into His image from glory to glory. And it's just dealing with the absolute beauty of Christ. And I want to tell you, we are in one of the most marvelous passages in the whole epistle, in the whole chapter, in the whole epistle, in the whole Bible. This is one of the most marvelous passages that you'll ever see. Of course, it's dealing with the uh, total beauty of Jesus Christ. It's dealing with gazing at His wondrous glory. That is what it is about. As long as we are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, as we're being transformed to His image, you know what? We will find all the strength, all the comfort, all the encouragement, everything that we need as we look at Christ. Are you encouraged? And so you'll find joy in Christ as you look at Him. And this is how we live the Christian life. Peering into the very image of God, that being Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been dealing with, and that's where we're heading this morning. It's dealing with Christ in every situation and finding everything is revealed in the glory of God. The very glory of God. And I want to tell you, that's the deepest, the most, utmost reality that one will ever know. And it's our very goal in life. It's our goal in life. It's the biggest, it's the best thing, it's the most extreme, the most ultimate that life has to offer as we look at the glory of Christ. The greatest good of the good news, good news has the greatest good. It's the gift of the beauty of God himself in Jesus Christ. The final, all-satisfying joy, the good news of the great joy found in Luke chapter 2. As the angels came close to man bringing forth this message, this news, it's the joy of seeing and savoring the beauty of the good news of Christ and His glory. As Jonathan Edwards put it, seeing and savoring him, the good news of the glory of Christ. The biblical word is glory, and it is interwoven in with a word that we're familiar with that I've been using here called beauty. This is what beauty is. This is how beauty is defined when we see 
Christ. The good news of the beauty of Christ. The good news of the glory of Christ. The good news of the beauty of Christ. Linked together. He had a triumph over sin and death and Satan and hell. He had victory over all of that at the cross, didn't he? And that's where the beauty of Christ shines more brightly than anywhere else. And if you've ever heard John Piper, those are some of the terminologies that he will be using and expressing that. And I'll be borrowing some in this section. This verses 4 through 6 is very helpful as we refer to Jonathan Edwards and even John Piper presently who was inspired so much by by Edwards. What is the highest and best and final good in the good news? Is it justification by faith? Well, you all know what we think of justification by faith. It is something that is at the heart of Christianity. It's at the very crux. Justified by faith. And that's near and dear to me as it is to you. Is that the best, the final, the highest good news? Is it forgiveness of sins? Is that the highest and the best and the final good news? Is it the removal of the wrath of God? Is that the highest, the most good? Is it redemption from guilt? Liberation from slavery? Is that the highest good news? Is it salvation from hell? Is that the highest of the good news? Is it entrance into heaven? Is that the highest of the good news? Is it eternal life? Is that the highest of the good news? Is it deliverance from all pain and sickness and all the sufferings that we face? Or you know people that face constantly. Is that the highest of the good news that we're delivered from that? All of these are precious promises. And they are good news. But I want to tell you, as supreme as these doctrines are, and they are highly elevated, they are highly escalated, what is the highest and final good? What is the highest good news, this gospel good news? It's too easy, but it's too profound. And most people would fail that question. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. The answer is found right there. So let's get out our Bibles. Let's turn to that text, one of the greatest texts that you can be in at the time. Let us get blessed by God here today. Why don't we all stand and read this precious truth the living word of God as he is speaking to us today. You ready? In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, 
light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let's pray. Father, may we be blessed today as we look into your pure word that is written right here as we've read it. May it make an impact on each one of our lives and in the whole church. May we be changed today even more as we're transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get right to it. Ready? This is, this is exciting news. It's news if you're a Christian. You know exactly what we're talking about. He um, starts off in verse 4, uh, and we kind of covered a lot of this last week in verse 4. In whose case the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. That's pretty easy to understand that, isn't it? And where we're going to kind of be starting at is right here. So that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. A lot of people that have veils over them. He's talked about that in the first few verses. And if our gospel, this truth that we have, is veiled, it it's to the ones who are perishing. And so the next section in that verse says, so that they might not see the light of the gospel. Satan blinds them so they can't even they can't see. They're already in a dead position. And we'll explain that a little bit further. And usually we, we go into verse 4 and then verse 5 and then verse 6. We're kind of doing 4 and 6 today. Then we'll come back and do 4 and then do 6 and then do verse 5. That's how we're going to end. Um, and you'll see why I kind of did it that way. That's I don't want to be confusing, but this whole section just goes together so much that we kind of have to keep going back and forth. So the word gospel is going to be the first thing that sticks out there because the light we know is truth, and we've talked about that. The gospel we run into quite frequently, all the time. Every week we get together, we talk about the gospel. Usually that word is mentioned. It is good news. The word is euangelion, two Greek words, you, good, angelion, angel, message, good message, Good news. That's how we get it into our English. It means good news. Romans 10, verse 15, speaks of the gospel, the good news. It actually quotes there out of the Old Testament. It says in verse 15, just as it is written, Paul is quoting, this is what's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news news of good things. You know what? The gospel is found in the Old Testament. The only thing is it's veiled. It's, it's really kind of concealed there. But when you become a Christian and the veil is taken away, you see the gospel right in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, you see it right in the book of Genesis. Matter of fact, you see it right off the very bat. We usually think of the proto-evangelium. 
which is the curse that God pronounces on Satan there and then gives the promise of the Messiah and final deliverance of sin in Genesis 3. But it really starts, in the beginning, God. That is good news. That he would even reveal who he is and what he did. And most people in the world today want to flat out deny this and they teach it in the public schools. And if you dare say anything different in the colleges, even in the seminaries today, (laughs) many of them, they would deny that because science has proven that they know more than the Bible. In the beginning, God. God is the good news. He is the good news. The whole Bible is good news. There's some spectacular news. It's found in Luke 2, verse 10 and 11. Shepherds are out in the fields with the sheep at night, which they often would be. And all of a sudden, they have a visitation of some angels they didn't expect to see. This wasn't on the plan. This wasn't the agenda. And, of course, the angels say, do not be afraid. But let's focus on verse 11, or verse, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you the good news of great joy which will be for all the people for today in the city of David there has been born for you a savior who is Christ Messiah out of the Old Testament the Lord Old Testament would speak of Yahweh or Jehovah there Lord Savior, Christ, Lord. He is Savior. We see Him as saving us from our sins. And we also see Him as sovereign as He is Lord. And that's our message. He is Savior and He is Lord. He's in control. What is the good news? It's the glory of Christ. It's seen, it's savored in the very work of redemption. Because Savior is the redemption, isn't it? Oh, the wonder the depth of this parallel that we see in verse 4 and verse 6. If you take notes, if you use a pen, if you don't mind writing into your Bibles, it might be helpful to uh, take a look at this one phrase, the light, this is verse 4, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you, if you wouldn't mind, just underline those words light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now go to verse 6. You have uh, a phrase or so. And the very last phrase is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Do you see something similar there? Well, obviously. Um, the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. One of the most important statements in all the Bible about the gospel right there, in those two verses, 
the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. How many times have we covered this? We're going to try to go into it a little bit deeper. I, I was just amazed. I kept gazing at it all week. I'm thinking there's a lot more there than I've ever dug out, and there's a lot more than I can get even right now. But this is what I have on, on the plate. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, verse 6 says. Now, if we go back to verse 4, we see that Satan is focused on unbelievers. And he wants to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, right? The truth of the good news. The light of the glory of Christ. Because that's where the good news is really aiming. It's the glory of Christ. It's the glory of God. The image of God is who Jesus Christ is. So it is Jesus Christ that Satan wants to make look like a fool. That's really what he wants to do. You know, it's one thing, you know, we're, you know he, we could do, people could just be pawns of Satan. They still are responsible for their own disobedience, their own sin that they have. But he wants to blind them even more so that the glory of Christ wouldn't be seen. That's the whole idea. He wants to blind them so they cannot see the glory of Christ. Did you know that Satan at one time had seen quite a glimpse of the glory of Christ? He saw that glory of God and he wanted that glory. He wanted glory to be brought to him. I will be like the most high God. So he tried to replace him. He worshipped him at one time. Led the angels in worshipping. Satan wants to make Jesus look ludicrous. So in this parallel, verse 6, he compares physical darkness here. And we'll come back more to this. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Or God who said, let there be light. Where was that at? Genesis 1. At creation. Let there be light. And there was light. That is total control. Nobody can do that. So he takes that thought and he compares that physical darkness on the face of the deep is like darkness. In the spiritual realm is what? Darkness, right? And so he compares the physical the spiritual realm. Concerning man, he is in darkness. Can't see anything. He is so blind. So you get in verse 6, he talks about the heart who has shown in our hearts. He shone. He turned the light on in our hearts. Go back to verse 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the what? Minds. Minds, heart. Basically the same thing. The heart of man. It's involved with the mind of man. And so verse 6, verse 4 are tied there. He wants to blind the mind or to blind the heart, Satan does. But God, through Christ, shines on our hearts to give us light so that we can see. Most of the world can't see. Why all the lunacy going on in the world? Well, it's easy to see now. You look at verses 4 through 6 and you see why they say the things they say and the things that they do. Light in verse 6 corresponds to light in verse 4. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light 
in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds on the unbelief, so they might not see the light of the gospel. By the word way, the word therefore light is photizo, photo light. Right? By the way, another word that says he shone in our hearts, the word there is dealing with uh, lampras, which we get our English word lamp. He turns the light on. He turns the lamp on when we were in absolute dark. We couldn't find the switch. We could never turn it on, could we? Because he needs to get all the glory, not us. That's our problem. We're still looking for our own little glory. You ever notice that? We're trying to beat that. So, the light of knowledge, the light of the gospel is found in verse 4. In verse 6, the light of the knowledge. Knowledge, gospel. What is our knowledge to Noah? It is to know the gospel, the good news, right? Light, gospel, light of the gospel or knowledge and the next word that you see light of the gospel of the glory the good news of the glory now we're getting at it this is why we exist it's found right here in 2 Corinthians 4 4 through 6 it's found in many other places but I think it's defined so precisely here that we cannot miss it if you're a Christian, you don't miss it. It's about Christ. It's about His glory. The glory of Christ. Uh, there we have a glory in verse 4. Gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 6, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Is that right? Seems like we have two glories there. The light of the, actually the glory of Christ the glory of God can we reconcile that I don't think we have too much problem there right God and his glory is shining in the very face of the incarnate Jesus Christ the incarnate God we see God we see his glory through Jesus Christ so when he says the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ it's defined by who is the image, icon. Icon is the word in the Greek. Icon in English, and you get the idea of that, right? He's the very stamp of who God is, the very essence of God. He is God. There are three persons. There's one God. Glory, the glory of God that's shining in the face of Christ. So that's what we see. We see what Satan is about in verse 4, and he's not just keeping people away from the facts about the gospel. Now he's doing that. Paul is proclaiming the gospel. Now Satan would like to keep people away from the facts of the gospel. But Paul proclaimed the gospel. Satan couldn't stop him. So Satan lets him do it, but God is in control of all of this anyway. 
But he will try to stop him if he can. But he can't. So he says, that's no concern of mine, Satan says. My concern is to blind the mind. To keep the people from seeing the spiritual light shining through the gospel. So that they wouldn't see the glory. I don't want them to see the glory. Are you guys getting this? Is this incredible? He steals it. And of course, there's a parable about that. And a matter of fact, we have a verse that we'll be going to. Very good. As soon as the mind or the heart, right? You have heart in one verse and we have mind in another. Mind in verse 4. He's going to try to keep people from seeing this spiritual light. God, in his plan, comes in, shines the light in certain hearts, and the blindness is over. As soon as the light comes on, blindness is gone. All you have to do is think of Paul. I think he had to really understand what this was about when it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He had to be overwhelmed, but at the same time, he had to think about his own self and the way that he was converted. He was blind, wasn't he? Literally. He wasn't pursuing Christ. Not at all. He was persecuting the whole church. You see why we can't take any glory at all? Paul knew that he couldn't take any glory. All through his ministry, he never wanted any glory. So what needs to happen here? Well, this blind mind needs to apprehend the very glory of the gospel. When it does, the blindness is over. And people then are drawn to it, to this beauty of Christ. The light is turned on. So what needs to happen? Well, God shines with a spiritual light of glory in Christ through the knowledge or the gospel. And that comes to our hearts or our minds. And when this happens, the battle is over as far as being dead in our sins and being blind. The work of the God of this world, as in verse 4, is now overcome. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. We were unbelievers. The work of God overcame the God of this world. That's incredible just in itself. Well, of course, God just created Satan. Satan is a pawn. And no better than that. God could knock him out in any moment. He couldn't, matter of fact, he, he doesn't even have to be here. It's all part of the plan. When the light shines through the gospel, the work of God is overcome. Blindness is removed. We see, we believe. We see the radiance that is shining through the person of Christ. It's all about him. And the more we turn to his word, the more and more we see of Christ. You say, I haven't seen him. I haven't had that vision that you're talking about. We're not talking physically. We know what the physical realm is. We're talking in a spiritual realm. When you can see the person of Christ through the very written word of God, and it's been proven that this is our letter from this God who loves us, and he wants us to know all about him that he chooses to reveal. Take that letter, pick it up, and read, as Augustine 
as he heard. Take up and read. In other words, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and verse 6 tells us what the highest, the best, the ultimate good of the good news is. The glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is a real spiritual light that shines through. Now, the gospel is kind of defined in 1 Corinthians 15. It just gives a quick synopsis. But we've all read this and familiar with this. People will look at how can you define the gospel. This is a, a bit of it in a quick sense. Light, water, boy, there are certain things that you have to have to live, to live spiritually. <laughs> For now I make known to you, brethren, what? The gospel. I make known to you, brothers, the good news, which I preach to you, I proclaim to you, Paul says to the Corinthians, which also you received, and which also you stand in this, this truth by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you. That means you live the word, right? If you don't hold on to that word, it'll prove that you're really not his. The ones who abide in his truth are the true believers. He says, unless you believed in vain. There's a vain belief, an empty belief, isn't there? Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. What is it, Paul? What? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It was all explained in the Old Testament. And that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then it talks about the appearances that he made. Because the evidence is, there's the gospel in a quick synopsis about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good to start with, with somebody who doesn't know Christ. They need to see they're standing for a holy God in their sins. And they need this payment by Jesus Christ who died for sins. So we see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. And it's very true. It's very right. It is scriptural. But the gospel is not just historical events. And that's an historical event. It's something to be taken in, though. We must see in the events, you ready for this? The glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what we see. We just don't say, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he arose and was buried. I mean, he was buried and then he arose. Sorry, right? The very heart of what we think, and it is. It's very hard, but we have to take that in. It has to be a part of us. Just knowing those facts doesn't save anybody. People can say that as a confession of faith all day long, but if that's all it gets. That's all that it means. Then it's going to come short. 
Uh, it's foundational there, isn't it? Um, and it's true. Without this, there's no gospel. There, there's no good news. But we must see in that event what we have learned in First, Second Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. We must see the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We must see the glory of God in the face of Christ. The gospel is not just historical events, is it? It's much more. We see in the events the glory of Christ, the gospel of the glory. This is the highest and the best and the final good news. Now, there are so many promises that are incredible, and you guys would all say amen. We go back to justification by faith. It is good news because... Why is it good news, Dennis? Because it makes us stand accepted by the one whose glory we want to see and savor. Justification by faith means this. And if you're saying, wait a minute, I forgot how to define that. How, can, how, do, you, how do you define that? What does it mean? Justification by faith. We are declared righteous. Declared righteous by God. Because of Christ's work on the cross. When you look at the cross, you're seeing the beauty of Christ. We are declared righteous. And it's not because of our faith. But you have to have faith to be justified. Justified by faith. He gives us the faith. He gives us repentance. Because people who are blind, people who are dead, who do they do not have faith. They have faith in a lot of things. They have faith in a pilot flying an airplane. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got in there. You have faith when you get in your car because maybe the engine might fall out, but you have faith that it's not. You have faith in those chairs this morning. You just plopped right down on them and think about it. That chair could have broken, but you had faith that it wouldn't. Now, that's faith in objects. But Jesus said, have faith in God. How can you when you're dead? Well, he has to shine in our hearts like verse 6 says. <laughs> because you're still believing the devil. So, we're accepted, justified. Forgiveness is good news. I stand here today proclaiming forgiveness to all, to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven for eternity. It's good news because it cancels all the sins and the guilt that keep me from seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. Sins have been canceled. The removal of wrath and, and you know, salvation from hell. Is that good news? Oh man, you know it. It's escape from eternal misery. I find my eternal pleasure in the person of Christ who delivers me from that. Eternal life is good news because I find life in Him. This is eternal life. It says that you may know me in John 17. This is eternal life. Good news because no longer will I have pain, diseases, death. That means I will no longer be distracted from the fullest enjoyment 
of the glory of Christ and the image of God, I will no longer be distracted with all those illnesses, sickness, death, trials. Seeing with the eyes of the heart. Oh, that's what we do, don't we? Because he, you know, in Corinthians 4, 6, light to shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have to see. We have to see with the eyes of the heart. That's what it's saying here. Let's go to Ephesians 1. After 2 Corinthians is Galatians and then Ephesians. Ephesians 1. Let's start at verse 7. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption. We've been bought. Through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, knowledge, he made known to us the mystery of His will. Something that had not been revealed before. Mysterion. And it's now revealed. According to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, or Christ, with a view for administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Folks, this is the epitome of God's sovereign grace in just a few short verses. It actually, in chapter 2, it just chops us down to the very lowest level that you can be. You can't even be a plus. You're a negative. Chapter 2, verse says, and then he says, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy. He starts off with the great good news. And part of the good news is that we were lost, we were blinded, we were dead. And then we see what he just did. He, through Christ, he, him. Christ is the focus. It all happened because of him. Now we want to go to verse 18 through 23. And this is a prayer that Paul has for the Ephesians. And he has for us. And we have for each other. I pray. Here we go. Here's what I was talking about with the eyes of the heart. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Or that God's light would shine through in the gospel. And then it's a continual thing though. As you are a Christian, it continues to be as there is a transformation, it's because the light is being seen. As we read it, we understand it, it changes our lives. 
transform. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling. You want to know that, don't you? What are the riches of the what? The glory of his inheritance. He's going to give us the universe through the person of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the inheritor and we are found in him. In the saints. The glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, the surpassing greatness of his power. This is unbelievable. This is Ephesians, folks. Pick it up and read it sometimes. It is mind-blowing in a good way. So, look at the divine attributes of God. Look at the perfections. Look at the excellencies of the beauty of Christ by looking at his character, his nature. He said, what, what does attributes mean? I, I don't understand. What, what is that? I want to get that. It means the very nature of God. You have a nature. God has a nature because he is a person. There are three persons. Look at the nature of God. Look at his eternality. He's always been here. That's amazing. He's always been here. He's the creator. God is. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent because he is everywhere. That's stuff that you learn when you're three years old, right? Three-year-olds can believe that. He is perfectly holy. We go on with the attributes. All of those are found in Jesus Christ. Some of those attributes can be conveyed to us. Others can't. But he is making us holy. Saints means hagios, holy, set apart. You're the saints. You're the ones who are set apart. You are holy. You are being made holy. The divine perfections, do you see those, though, when you look at God? Those are some, Just think of the attributes of God. Now we go to number two. We looked at verse four and six. We're going to cover verse four, and we're going to do it really quickly because we really kind of did this last week. He starts off with, better get to the right book, right? Second Corinthians 4. In whose case the God of this world is blind to the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The lost. He's talking about the lost. He's talking about the perishing. He's already mentioned perishing in verse 3. The ones who are perishing. The ones who are going to hell. We were all on that route. God took us off that path. We're not just talking about the rebellious people. We at one time were not only stubborn and exalting self over a God. Our stubbornness creates a very stupor, a drunkenness, a blindness, a deadness, a blankness. How can we define it? We couldn't see the beauty of God. We didn't want to see the beauty of God. We heard about it. Hey, I heard that he died for your sins. <laughs> right, he died for my sins. Yeah, I believe it. 
you know, that, that kind of nonsense that people carry on. They were blind to the infinite beauty and value of the divine glory. That's what people really have a vacuum. They, they're looking for something. They don't know what it is because they can't see. We know what that is now. We're on the inside. We can see it. You can see the facts. You can see Christ in the gospel. But if they're not converted, they can't see him as compellingly glorious. As the one who's beautiful and all satisfying. And that they don't want. They can't see it. They are lovers of darkness. They love the darkness. The reason for the blindness is not that just people are hopeless pawns in the hands of Satan when it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Their nature shows in Ephesians 2 that they're already dead. But we have joined Satan before we know Christ in hating the light He hates that light. He hates that glory because he wanted the glory, which couldn't be. Our blindness is rooted in our rebellion. Look in John 3, 19 and 20, a rebellious nature. Like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We're going to move on. In 3, 19 and 20. This is the judgment. Here we go goes right with our second corinthians this is the judgment what is the judgment the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You betcha. The light of the truth of the Bible exposes sin, and that's a reason that down through history, Christians are not wanted in countries. That is the reason why they hate Christians. That's why all the principles that we believe in and that are so near and dear to us are being overturned. Almost all of them are gone now in the, in the schools. Almost all of them have been gone in in the government. Anywhere you want to look. And they're gone in the family. It's because they're showing who they really are. The truth was here. God says, okay, you don't want the truth. I'll take it back. You can have it the way you want it. You want to be God? Give it a shot. That is part of the wrath of God. And that's the part that has already happened in the United States of America. It's happened in most of all the world, really. The divided states of America. It's, that's right. You can't even use that word united anymore, can you? And it's becoming even more divided as time goes. They're lovers of darkness Satan blinds us even further than what, our, what we are. We're already in the dark. 
Satan drives man even further from the truth. He doesn't want them to see the beauty of Christ. He wants them to see the beauty of evil. They think it's great. Matthew 13, 19. Bob, I think this is what you're talking about earlier. Talking about the seed that Satan takes from. When people actually hear the word, actually hear the gospel. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. There are four different soils there. Nothing wrong with the, the seed. It's the soils that's the problem. It's the heart. When God prepares the heart, it receives the seed so that the glory of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, shines. They see that. Now, number three. We go to verse six. We looked at verse 4, right? We're going to go to verse 6. Then we'll come back to verse 5. And we're almost done. Verse 6 is going to give us a reason why Paul did not preach himself. It's a reason. as in verse 5 that, that and, and it's dealing with God commands light. The reason in verse 5 is going to be dealing with he preaches Christ. Not anything else. Just Christ. Preaches Christ. Christ is a miracle of God's gift of spiritual sight. God opened the eyes of your heart. It says right here in verse 6, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. God opens eyes of the hearts so that they can see and have a surpassing view and all-satisfying, self-authenticating, all-compelling, glorious view of the beauty of Jesus Christ. That is what is happening in the gospel. Are you seeing the gospel more clear today than you ever have before? That's how you were saved. I was blind, but now I see. John 9, the blind man. What a perfect illustration. He was born blind for that reason. See, Dennis, that's getting a little heavy. I don't want to, I don't want to. Jesus said it. I didn't. There are things that God does that doesn't make sense humanly. We say, what kind of God is that? He's a God that's much more glorious than we can even imagine because he has a purpose behind it. Yeah, we can't understand our little puny little ways, but. Yeah, his ways are higher than ours. So this is the God, this is the God, I guess you could say remedy. It's the God remedy that has been provided for the problem in verse 4, which sounds so demonic, and it is, whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And in verse 6, gives the remedy for it. Paul portrays God here as doing the same kind of thing he did when he brought light into the world, when he created Genesis 3, God said, let 
there be light. Let light shine out of darkness. The light creating God, that's who he is. He's done it again. He's done it in the hearts. He did it at creation. Then he did it at recreation. Redemption. When we were redeemed, turn on the light. We were in darkness. We couldn't see that glory. Christ. Matthew 16 talks about uh, where God, it's in verse 15 through 17, Jesus Christ saying, hey, they're saying all sorts of things about me, who I am. Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. How'd you know that, Peter? Just kind of come up with that on your own? Jesus tells him that light will shine out of darkness. That's what we see in our text here. Well, it's almost like he's saying, Peter, um, that light has shown in your heart. He doesn't say it there in the gospel, but that's what happened. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That confession there is what we stand upon. It's not giving any glory to Peter. It's, it's about who Christ is. Son of the living God means he's God. Light to shine out of darkness. Darkness was on the face of the deep. Before there was light on the earth, let there be light. Colossians 1, 13, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians 1, verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Is that good news? What kind of glory are you going to see there? Hmm. I don't know. In the midst of my darkness, a sovereign God chose to turn on the light. And he planned to do that long before there was creation in eternity it was his plan and then in time space history he did it and that's why we're here today because we have been born again it's the work of God you didn't save yourself sovereign grace sovereign grace of God saved you because it says here in 2 Corinthians Six for God has said, light to shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts after we were blinded and dead to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That kind of gets the idea of what the gospel is really about. I'm afraid, I'm not just afraid, I know that this kind of gospel is not being proclaimed in most of the churches today. What's happened? Same thing that's happened out in the world. It's gotten watered down. It's become very man-centered. This is a work of God. This, this is what gives God glory when we talk about what He did. He owed us nothing. Who are we to say, well, what kind of God is that? That's not fair to choose some and not choose others. Well, He could have done this, just let them all go to hell. Why would He even bother to choose some out of the train that was going to do a wreck? Why would He do that? 
Let there be light. And the scales fell away. Scales fell away from the apostle who was Saul before he was an apostle. Paul later, the veil was lifted. The light of the glory streamed in to our minds whenever he opened up our heart. We saw Jesus for who he really was. We saw the truth. We saw beautiful grace and love and power and wisdom and justice and meekness and patience. We believed. We couldn't turn away anymore. John 1, 4 and 5. Boy, is this good news? Is this good news? John 1 is all about Jesus being God. Verse 4. He says, In Him was life. It's in Christ. Life. And the life was the light of men. True knowledge. Truth. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Last part for the day. Verse 5. See what we're doing? Kind of going back and forth a lot today. Knowing that, this is why Paul says this. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. Whenever Jesus is the glorious one to see, there's nothing else to preach about but Jesus being Lord, who is God. There's a link between the blinding effects of Satan in verse 4 and the gospel. We see it here in verse 5. Look at Acts 26, 17 and 18. Talking about God here, Paul is recounting what his salvation was about rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you as God tells him I'm sending you out to do what? Does this look familiar? To open their eyes their blind eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light there's repentance isn't it? To turn, repent and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And not only that, but what else? An inheritance among those who have been sanctified, set apart by faith in me. Grants us a faith and we can say, oh, I believe. He, it's a lifeline. Faith is a lifeline. It's the channel. It's the rope. <laughs> it's the microphone <laughs> that is sent to us. So that we can now see the faith is an instrument that he uses. The go-between. And with that faith now we can see. Do you see? Do you see? The reason of this is all this that we've been talking about. He's been given he's given us the light so that we can enlighten the ones who are blind. That's what verse 5 is saying. 
Paul, as great as he was, never preached about himself. Matter of fact, Paul just died to self. You know, we're called to that. You know, we're very prideful people. Did you know Paul was prideful too? But he kept dying. He had to until God said, okay, that's enough. God has ordained that we are walking miracles. Walking miracles, miracles of sight now. And we proclaim, the word there for proclaim in verse 5 is preach or proclaim. It means it's Caruso, the t-shirt company. They preach. <laughs> Caruso t-shirts are probably the number one t-shirt company, Christian shirts. Some of them are really cool. Others you go, uh, kind of distasteful. Anyway, some of them are kind of cool. I always like Makes you think. But that's how they got that word. It, it means to preach. It means to proclaim. And so that's what Paul did. For we, and he's saying we, and then some of his colleagues with him, do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. That's our message. That's our only message. And that's a lot of message because it deals with creation. It deals with redemption. It deals with the attributes of God. Know yourself. Know God. Sums it all up. Love God. Love your neighbor. You already love yourself. That's the problem. <laughs> know God. And know that you are not God. He is holy and you are not. But you desire to be being made holy. And you are if you're a Christian. People will resort to all the arts and the stratagems, all the entertainment they can in our time. You know, they did it back then. They offered a lot more than what Paul could. I mean, they who knows what all the things that they had. A lot of things that would precede what early Gnosticism would be coming on the front. Kind of going back maybe to the Old Testament and adding on some things there to the gospel. But you can't. So... He made known the Lord. We don't preach ourselves, he says. At, uh, that's really saying that the false apostles did. They were charging things against him. But he's saying, you know what? I only preach Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 2? I preach Christ crucified. Matter of fact, we don't preach ourselves. It's not about ourselves. We are to get lower and lower. As you get lower, he gets higher. Who are we? Well, we're not going to get there today. It's not designed to get there today, but in verse 7, you'll see who we are. We're earthen vessels. Or, in uh, clay pots, clay pots, jars of clay. That's what we are. And that's the way that God has planned to get his good news out to the world. He uses clay. Who are we? We are nobody. Who am I? Nobody. But, on the other hand, I'm a child of the king. And I have the good news of the kingdom so that people can see that glory that we experience. 
That's what we're here for. Otherwise, we're here to worship God, but we can in heaven. We'll be worshiping all the time. We're still here to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. That's what we're here for. False apostles come into themselves. Paul said, I'm weak. 2 Corinthians 12 reminds them of the very same thing. Verse 5, I will boast, however, in my weakness. Verse 9, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Let the pride get knocked out of you. He wants us to be weak in ourselves so that we can be strong in him. Inabilities that Paul had. The inabilities that we have. Apostle Paul (laughs) never promoted himself. He never caused himself to be having to draw people because of his great looks, his great manner of delivering a speech. Preach the gospel. He was consumed by Jesus. He was consumed by the glory of Christ. He preached Christ as Savior, says in verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, that's the Messiah of the Old Testament, the Anointed One. He's the Christ of the New Testament, same one. As Jesus, Jesus means what? Savior. The second one is Lord. In my days, First Baptist Church, Receive Jesus as Savior. Later, you can proclaim His as Lord. You go to camp, sit around a fire, kumbaya. <laughs> and kids would stream up there and they'd be crying and everything. Girls would be crying. The guys, it's odd. Walking down the aisle, they're saved. Two years later, you see these same people that were at the camp and they walk down the aisle and they say, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but now I want Him as my Lord. Do they still yet get it? Is it explained? That's how it was termed. You, you can't, A.W. Tozer said, you can't divide Christ. He is Savior and Lord. That's what God called Him, as Savior and Lord. When you talk about Savior, He saves you from your sins. You talk about the cross. When you talk about the Lord, you talk about Him being sovereign. It's who He is, what He did, what He's going to do. He came. What did He do? Why did He do it? He proclaimed the truths that we are to teach today. He taught respecting God, respect man. He taught respecting the own the, the nature that God puts in us as we're born again. He talks about the human heart. He talks about hell, death, judgment, eternity. You see all those vast things? The gospel is just more than he, he died for our sins. Right? It's all of these things. That's where you start. Preach the law and then you, it's law and gospel, isn't it? He's not to teach stories Paul never taught stories. There's a thing about story. Jesus used that in his preaching. So don't get me wrong in that. Story is good. But I'm not up here to tell you funny little things where you guys can all laugh and we go home and feel real good about ourselves. 
that's what they do out there. And that's why a lot of them really have a lot of people there. Man, if you start talking about the cross, what all that means, people don't want to hear that. I believe that. Entertainment. We're not here to entertain. We're to make known the facts of the Savior's life and then to press upon the need that. And then, and, and we got to close. I'm, I'm sorry, people. Uh, we'll close and we'll have prayer and we'll, we'll uh, dismiss. But he's shown in our hearts to get the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, right? Back in verse 5, we don't preach ourselves but Christ. And he views himself as a bondservant for Jesus' sake. Viewed himself as a slave. We'd like to be appear to be much more than what we are, right? We'd love to be those kind of people that people can take up notice into and see how important we are. Humility. In the face of Jesus Christ, when we look at him and all the truth about that, folks, we are humbled. Everybody is going to bow. Right? And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are servants. We are slaves. That's what we are. We are clay pots. He's, he's trying to get the picture across. We have this great good news. We're not great. There's no reason for me to ever try to make you think I'm great. And I don't even have to impress, but I'll never be able to trick you on that. You're never going to think I'm great. And the moment I start thinking that I'm great is the time when God will demonstrate what humility is about. And he's done that several times to me. Anyone who really loves Jesus Christ is going to be humble and know that this message that we're carrying, we are not capable of delivering of ourselves. We couldn't come up with this in our own minds. This is a treasure that we've been given. That's why in verse 7, you see how this is leading up to that? Well, we have this treasure, this treasure, this gospel in earthen vessels. That's the treasure. It's this glory of God. And we're carrying it around in our lives and in what we're sharing with. We're servants. And we're here, as he said, we're servants. We're bond servants. That word is slave. It is doulos. And it does mean slave. And really, it's a lot better than the word servant because that's what the word means. We are slaves. I think they put servant there to make it be a little softer, even in the NAS. But we are slaves for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. We're his slaves. And we not only serve him, but that means to serve others. We are to comfort the afflicted. We are to guide the ones who are perplexed. We are to aid the ones who are tempted. We're to comfort the ones who are in mourn. We're here to encourage each other. That's what we're here for. So before you go out of here, make sure that you encourage somebody because that's what you're called to do. And I have one passage, I promise. And you're going to go out of here on a high note. I mean, it's going to put you up so high that God will probably have to deflate it. But in John 17, 24, here it is. Are you ready? 
This is Jesus praying for us before the Father in heaven, before he was crucified. This is awesome, folks. You ready? Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory. That's what he was praying for. That's the whole point of all this. God wants us to see his glory. It's in the person of Christ. Which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let's pray. Father of glory, Jesus being the very image of the glory, we pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, already enlightened that this morning through the truth, so that we will know what is the hope of your calling, Lord. What are the riches of your very glory of the inheritance and the saints? God, thank you for the surpassing power of what you have done.